My name is Kim Chill, and I get letters about the untold. Oh boy, where should I start? I guess the first thing is thank you to everyone who's listening to this podcast. It is comforting knowing that I'm not just putting it out in the ether or just to Brendan, wherever he is. But I gotta ask anyone who listens, has anything strange been happening to you this week? I've gotten some strange stories from some friends of mine. The flickering light seems to be happening to others. Some talk about the outline of people in the dark. And what makes me a bit worried is that everyone who's told me have been listening to this podcast. If you have, can you please just write to me on social media? You can find us anywhere with the username lettersuntold1. That's the number one, not the word one. It would help me to find out if this is a byproduct of listening in or a byproduct of being friends with me. Now, the letters have been coming in weekly at different times, different days in the week as well, but never close to a seven days mark after I've published a podcast. This time, it has been very, very close. I'm currently recording about five hours before I usually put out the podcast, leaving me little time to edit and make it flow as perfectly as I can. No one told me how hard it would be to make a podcast, not to mention how much time. If I knew, I would never agree to this, mostly for the weird shit happening to me. But as soon as I agree to something, I have that until it is finished mentality I got from my mother. Plus, I have more time on my hands than most people, as I've been shunned by society for having a mental illness which makes me not able to work properly. I guess I'm viewed as the lowest of the low, getting what they call a passive income from the state of Norway. Don't get me wrong, I'm ever grateful that I can still live, even if I'm not seen as part of society. I am lucky living in Norway. Anyway, that is another matter. What I tried to say is, it must have been luck for Brendan that he picked me randomly, as I have a bit more time on my hand, and mentally ill enough to do something a letter asks me to do. Though, whoever is making sure I get the letters should learn something about personal privacy and space. I was out shopping with my partner just one hour ago, as I needed some new clothes. Listening to what Brennan was wearing at last time, I felt a bit fashion conscious. Not because there's anything wrong with what Brendan was wearing, he was just describing a part of my own wardrobe as well. A huge part. So when I finally got some cash on my bank account, it was time to get some new threads. Oh, if you're wondering, this week has been very quiet for me. It seems the spooky shit was happening to my friends instead. So, I've taken some measures and I've been secretly putting small post-it notes in their house or jackets with protection I learned from Brendan. Sorry guys, I also changed the locks on the door to our apartment. What happened last week truly started my paranoia for full. Which means I've not slept that much either. As I stripped in a changing room inside a well-known brand we all have heard about that has two letters in their name, yeah, that one, I was getting nervous if something bad was happening to Brendan. Well, worse, did someone stop his letters now that he was tracking them? Or perhaps his worst fear had come through. I swore then and there I would give him at least three weeks before I deleted the podcast and tried to forget about anything that has happened to me. Truth be told, I would never ever forget this. It would be a part of me until the day I die. As a change to the new jean pants I was trying on and a black t-shirt, I opened the door of the changing room and stepped out. My partner thought I looked good in them. They're biased, trust me on that. 
and after a quick kiss, turning around, I stopped at a doorway with eyes wide. Inside the little cubicle, with lights, a mirror I'm sure is enchanted to make everything look good on you, and a chair which now suddenly had my clothes on them, neatly folded with expertise work, and a letter with my name only laid on top of them. If you ask my partner, they can tell you that when it comes to folding clothes, I'm just as good as a fish trying to climb a tree. A for effort, but that's about it. My partner looked inside as well with their own shocked face. Impossible. I nodded. I was just outside the door. How could anyone get the letter in there? I meant the folding. Hey. They smiled a little before turning serious. I thought you made this all up, but you haven't? I quickly changed back to my geeky clothes and we drove home. There was a letter to be read, and I could hardly wait. There came chill. The tracker was lost during the flight to Norway. With that I mean, it said it had just gotten onto the plane to Norway, and the next thing, about one minute after, it said it was delivered at your address. This is freaking me out, and that is saying something from what I've been experiencing the past few months. With this letter here, I'm sending a personalized GPS tracker that's supposed to ping every 15 seconds. I'm also paying for express shipping so the tracker won't run out of juice. If that doesn't tell us something, then I don't know what is. You have not been hurt so far when it comes to the letters being received and for me, that is comfort. Though if they can get into your home, I understand it must be very nerve-wracking on your part. I suggest you change your locks and maybe touch up the protection words onto your home. With that said, I'm going to get back to what happened to me. So, picking up from the last letter. The mural on the stone wall, a great eye with no pupil, just milky white, covered almost the entire wall. The rest was of a skin color. Something told me I was in over my head. I mean, I know I was in over my head the first step I took onto this adventure, but never in my wildest dream would I bet that I would be standing in a room with a book that was chain-wrapped and put on a pedestal like a true prized possession with painted white great eye watching over it. Every character I've ever played in a D&D campaign yelled at me from the back of my head. Check for traps. So that's what I did. I had some spare cents of euro in my pocket and I carefully tossed them onto the room and they made a nice clinking sound but nothing of significant happening. I saw no tiles on the floor, it was just one huge stone slab. But hey, never be too careful, right? Okay, I'm pretty sure this isn't some rich people's scheme anymore. Speaking to myself as I made sure my feet touched only where my coins were. But I was not quite so sure yet. Even if I had just spoken out loud, because I'd seen some strange things being done with hypnotism. And if they had someone who excelled with that, for me, my time would be wiped as they moved me from the escape room to this place. And if there was hidden camera here, I wanted them to think that I was not in on their games anymore. Through some gentle hopping where I looked like a fool, I ended up in front of the pedestal with the book. It was truly one of beauty. The colors was that of a sunset and a sunrise from the corners blending together in the middle of the cover with a vibrant yellow, surrounding what seemed like a mosianti stone in the middle, reflecting the colors of the book. It was some sort of letter splayed upon the cover as well, but I couldn't read it. It seems to my eyes that some sort of fusion between Hebrew and Arabic. 
The Arabic part didn't make sense since the words were truly fused, making some sort of a new text, a new language. The chains didn't wrap itself onto the pedestal, but just around the book. And it was made of something that glittered. I looked up at the mural again. It felt like it was watching me, waiting. Eh, why not? Or I didn't say it like that. It was more of a curse, in case my mother is listening. Because you can bet she will want me to pay up in the end if I curse too much, even here. And so, I took the book off the pedestal. At the same time as the book left its nice little resting place, flashing through my mind was Indiana Jones lifting up the golden statue from its resting place. I regretted it immediately and spun around. Where was the nearest door? Was there another door in here? Was I trapped forever in this place? Why couldn't I just check those things out first? But no, big shiny book in front of a mural of a great white eye. I had to go there first. Stupid, 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 echoed in my mind. But nothing happened. I stood there for at least ten more seconds with a book in my hand before daring myself to breathe. And in those seconds, I spotted another door opposite side of the mural. Hoping that I did not set off any silent alarms or anything like that, I quickly rushed towards it, forgetting to check for more floor traps. And I was happy to discover that it wasn't locked. Turning around to look at the room one last time, I froze. The mural blinked, and even if it did not have pupil, it felt like something was watching me. My blood froze. Or it felt like that because I could not move one muscle. And in my mind, I heard a voice, distorted, like the noise old TVs had when they couldn't find a channel. Barely through the static, the words appeared in my mind. The book has been taken. Retrieve it. Kill the interloper. That got my fight or flight, well, paralyze or flight fear, going into flight mode. Sorry, this is not the hobbit you're looking for. I screamed in a high-pitched tone and ran out the room. I was back in another hallway, and this one clearly had been used more frequently than the first one. As it had two more doors about two meters apart on each side, I had a newfound speed and praised myself lucky passing one of them without anything happening. But that luck ran quickly out near the second door as it opened up and revealed a bewildered man. Who the fu- Sorry, got the runners! I yelled back as I sped up even more. Stop! Wait! I rounded the corner. How was I going to get out of here? I didn't even know where I was, and I was carrying a book that something supernatural was protecting. And now I'm pretty sure it had spoken in not only my mind, but everyone here. Another thought entered my mind. How many people were there? That made me panic even more. The stone hallway widened up even more, and I saw dim lights that did not have natural flickering to it. Electricity. Thank the gods. I could hear the footsteps of people behind me, shouts echoing, and I cursed even more. Not too far away from where the electric lamp started, the hallway stone turned into human-made ones instead. And it always bothered me that you can hear the difference when shoes hit natural stones and human-made tiles. I spotted at the end a very narrow staircase, and I quickly started climbing two and two steps. My breathing sounded like a wretched mule as it was steep and it was never-ending. 
Sweat didn't just trickle down my forehead. I was making a tsunami worth of liquid. Why don't people show that in TV series or movies? In an escape scene. I don't care how well trained in cardio you are. You do not look as good or pretty doing this as you think. And even when people behind shouted, I can promise you one thing. You can't hear what the hell they are shouting as your ears are filled with the sound of your heart thumping to the beat of the fastest techno beat you have ever heard in your life. I even tried a smart remark as I now had run about 30 seconds upward. (sighs) I meant to say meep meep like the roadrunner. Nearing one minute, I had to slow down no matter what my adrenaline said. Still, I was climbing up the stairs fast. How long was this? Stopping for a second to try and catch my breath, I looked up and down. This was truly one of those old-style staircases. The middle was just a rounded brick wall and there was no indication of how far it went. The fire hazard downstairs would make any fire inspector faint of how much of a death trap they had made. I heard faintly that the screams had stopped and echoing instead was the same noise coming from my own mouth. Wheezing. Like I said, the TVs and movies got chase scenes up the stairs wrong. I had to continue. So even if every fiber of my leg muscles screamed, I promised them no leg day for a week if they could just get me to the top and to safety. I don't know if that worked, but I managed to slowly start moving again before getting an okay pace of two steps. Seconds seems like hours as I could swear the wheezing behind me was getting closer. Oh, oh, come on, not fair. I managed to get out between heavy breaths. I was clearly at a disadvantage and almost decided to toss the book behind me and continue on. They were after that one. And it was freakishly heavy, more like a tome than a book to be honest. But, mercifully, the staircase did end with a huge iron door in front of me that was halfway open. And I bursted through something that looked like a circular cellar. It was empty. Quickly, I shut the iron door close and saw a latch to lock it up. I was maybe trapping those poor sods down there, so I hoped there was another way to get out as I put the hatch on. I couldn't take one more step before a quick break. Lungs, heart, quads, and I'm pretty sure every ancestor of mine was feeling and complaining about the little workout I had just done. Like it had transcended time to make everyone in my blood pay for this. I heard no movement upstairs. That was good, and it didn't take long before the thumping and muted wheezing was coming from behind me. Knowing that staying would lead to my own demise, I stood up and started slowly walking towards the cellar stairs. Great. More stairs. I swear, if there wasn't anything flat soon, my legs would revolt and detach themselves from my body. My nose twitched. What was that? The top of the cellar was a hatch and I opened it up. It was another cave, but this time I could see the opening about four meters ahead. It was dark, but moonlight trickled in, and now, what I smelled, I could hear... Waves. Salt in the air filled my nostrils and waves sounded gently in my ears. Where was I? And at that moment I remembered. I have a phone. Getting it from the left pocket, I saw the time. 21.15. 
It had just been about 17.30 when I entered the escape room. Three hours had passed, give or take, with how much time I had used there, and then in this cave too. Too much time had been lost. I walked towards the entrance of the cave as I checked my GPS location. It said Gates of Hades, near the lighthouse Tenaru. I almost dropped my phone. How? I was four hours away from Athens by car. 353 kilometers. My eyes went up and I saw the bay from which the cave of Hades rested. Reflected in a calm sea where stars and the moon about half full. The phone vibrated. A text from a number unknown. Run. They are coming. I texted back. Who? I would not have survived a horror movie. I'm sure of it now. The white eyes, I got as a reply. That was enough for me to start moving again. As I got another text. Boat. Only option. And as my eyes turned up again from the phone, I spotted a single light down by the waters and heard from behind multiple cars pulling up and yelling. Something told even my stupid brain it was safer going towards the boat than what was coming from the road up ahead. And I jolted. The boat was still some meters away, but I could spot it was one of those small yachts. White with a patio on the back enough for six people to sit. And then, for the first time ever, I got to hear a sound only heard in front of me in a very safe environment. Gunshots rang out and the sounds of thud, thud, thud could be heard all around me. Screaming, I picked up the pace towards the boat, almost flinging myself into the patio as the engine came to life and roared, speeding away from the bullets trying to hit its side. They say a bullet wound might not be noticed until later. Shock and adrenaline to keep yourself alive would maybe not register it. So as soon as the boat was far enough away, I checked myself over for bullet wounds and blood. None. They had been terrible shooters. Looking up, I spotted the helm where you steer a boat and saw no one. What the? It seems your pursuers have stopped firing bullets. A feminine voice spoke to the left. Twisting my neck, I saw a young woman, maybe in her twenties, sitting in one side of the patio, gently pouring tea into two cups. Her dark hair flowed beautifully down her form, and she was wearing what looked like a blood-red dress, before her form shifted to an elderly woman, about forty years old, and still as beautiful as ever. But something tells me your pursuers will never stop hunting you now, Brendan Croft. As she gently pushed a cup of tea towards the empty chair opposite of her, the form of the woman shifted one last time, hair now grey, on her face lines of old age clearly visible. So why don't you sit down, young Brendan, and let us have a chat? Yeah, I fainted on the floor, and I'm pretty sure I peed my pants as well. My time grows short, Kim, so I must end it here. You won't believe where I'm going currently, but since my letter seems to be intercepted, I won't give any hints. I wish I could. This is where things truly get weird, so brace yourself for the next letter. I know, like it hasn't been weird enough before now. But trust me, okay? Wish me luck. Something tells me I'm gonna need it. And let's hope the GPS tracker will tell us even more than just the mail tracker did. Just know that I'm thinking about you among all this. Until next time. Best regards, 
Brendan Croft. Brendan, there was no GPS tracker on this letter. I'm pretty sure about it. And something else has been bothering me. You said you sent the letters with my address and everything? The letters I've gotten so far have just had my name on it. Someone is changing your envelope. But since you haven't said anything different with the letters, it means they're just changing the envelope. Why? And what do you mean it's gonna get weirder? And who are the women on the boat? You gotta stop ending the letters on cliffhangers. People are gonna start thinking I'm just doing this for suspense. Anyway, I wish you luck, Brendan, and I look forward to your next letter. Take care, okay? And I'll leave you all with this. What do you believe when all senses fail you? This has been the fourth episode of Letters About the Untold. Written and read by Kim Chilyoshta. Music by Nikolai Hagen. The places and people you hear on this podcast might be real, but the description or personality of the places and people might have been altered. This is fiction. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, and I do hope you enjoy it and hope you will listen to the next episode. If you do, press that subscribe button and follow the podcast on social media. And if you can, it would be nice if you could leave a review. Until next time, beware of the flickering lights.